Pod Only Knows is a Cage Club podcast. For other smart podcasts on culture, pop, and otherwise, go to cageclub.me. You can contact us via email at pok at cageclub.me. You can find me on Twitter at probablyrealjb. And you can find me at kelly underscore j underscore baker. And you can find the show on Twitter at podonlyknowspod. The show is written and produced by us. Welcome to Pod Only Knows. I'm Kelly Baker. I'm John Brooks. Hey, John. How's it going? It's going okay. We were we were talking before uh, <laughs> before we started recording about our various our, our spouses are both in different places right now, but like <laughs> very different uh, effects of of that. You were left with the kids, and I was left without them. And uh, when you're into a routine, man, like any break in the routine can really mess you. Yeah, up. It's, no, it's, it's it throws you off. It does. Yeah. It does. No, I uh, minor under strict instructions to just let me record. Mm-hmm. So that's our hope for this podcast this yeah. evening is just that they'll let us record. And I, and I keep <laughs> expecting to be there stomping to be happening upstairs and there's nothing. It's an eerie, it's an eerie silence all throughout my house. And uh, yeah. And it's like, again, it sounds great, but honestly, when, as, as I was saying to Kelly, like when you don't have your kids to wear you down, um, it's hard to get to sleep at night because normally I'm ready for bed at nine 30 and like, Without kids, I'm not. <laughs> it's just too relaxing, so I don't get enough sleep at night, and uh, it's, it's, it's too it's relaxing. I know. It re- it's, genuinely, it is. It's like it's just too quiet. Um, so, anyways, I'll adjust by the time they get back on Friday. I'm sure I'll be all back to normal, and then they will be wearing me down once more. But, um, anyways, what is what is your good news this week? Uh, so my good news this week is I got in not one, but two MFA programs. So <laughs> nice. Go me. We got to um, choose. So now I have to make a choice, which is yeah. terrible because someone else should be responsible for my life instead of me because yeah. I don't yeah, want to make sure. a decision about no, this kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it's terrible, right? I mean, generally we're, when we're you- Leos, we make decisions for other people. That's not, exactly not, right. Not for please, please come to me for advice and I yeah. will run your life for you please don't make me responsible for running my life (laughs) so yeah so happy news got into two mfa programs it's awesome they're very different programs they have like i'm gonna have to put together a pros and cons chart and i love me a good pros and cons Mm -hmm. chart so Mm -hmm. um it's the planner in me uh, that really digs that uh but yeah so uh i have to make a big decision this week what happens if week? there's if there's an equal number of pros and cons on both charts? Oh gosh, I don't know, man. There's one program I'm leaning towards because okay. the vibe is good. Okay. So, and that's like a gut thing more than a mm-hmm. pros and con thing. Yep. Um, yep. Yep. But just that they seem to be more what I'm looking for, just okay. from my experience with them and talking to their faculty and their director of grad studies and that kind of thing. Um, yeah. It just seems to be more what I'm wanting to. So I do have like a front runner in this process, which is so yeah. funny. Um, I'm so like still traumatized from the academic job market that I really don't know what to do when I'm the one responsible for making a choice. Right. Where sure. I'm like, what sure. do you mean I get to choose my own destiny? Like mm-hmm. that silliness. Like how did that happen? <laughs> um <laughs> 
<laughs> what do you mean you're saying good things about me? What is this nonsense? Yeah, so it's been really kind of a funny process for me the whole time, putting everything together and like trying to figure this out. Though it did occur to me yesterday, like in the middle of the day where I was like, damn it, this means I have to go to graduate school again if I like sign on to this. Like, yeah. whoops. Yep. That's the, you know. right. There's this whole like doing school part that comes after. It's not, yeah. Just, yeah. It's not just like, yay, accepted, right? <laughs> <laughs> yay, degree. Accepted, yada, yada, no. yada, degree. Yeah, yeah, no. I was like, it's yeah. two years of school. Yeah. Like, that's real. Yeah. Yep. Um, and so, and I think, I don't know if I mentioned this on our last one or not, but my youngest has been giving me grief about being so old and going back to school. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> and I'm like, thanks, Brud. I hadn't thought about that at all. Like, no, I don't have feelings about being 43 and going back to school. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 You know. Yeah. yeah, we did talk about it last time. And like how yeah. Yeah, how like, no, it's people go to school at all kinds all of times. All the times. All yeah. the times. So, yeah. So as I said, I will be in my sixties if I ever pursue a doctorate. So yeah. uh on my twenty every a degree every twenty years yeah. program. <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> that, totally that legit. On. Totally yeah. legit. No. I got my kindergarten degree and then my my bachelor's and then 20 years later, my master's. And then like, yeah. yeah, 60. When I turn 64, I'll get my, my doctor. I probably won't. There, there you, you know. go. You know. Yeah. yeah. It's good to have plans, right? Yeah. yeah so yeah. so that's my good news. So it's big good yeah, news. Awesome. It's great. just like having to figure stuff out, which is mm -hmm. a little less great. Um, yeah. And I also feel bad because it means I'm going to have to turn somebody down. Oh, and that's so, the worst. You know, yeah. that's the worst. Yeah. So. It's not. It's not you. It's me. Yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. It's not your school. <laughs> it's not your school. We're I just promise. in different places in our lives. We're different. We're in different <laughs> zones. I, and I don't want to be like the vibes ago. are off, right? <laughs> the vibes are off. No, don't say that. I don't. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to no. say that. Hopefully, they don't listen to this podcast. Anyway, oh um, so what's <laughs> rescind your acceptance <laughs> no. right now well no, no they, they won't know which one it is so they, they won't they, they won't yeah. so yeah. yes um so what's your good news uh my good news is uh in addition to we being very close to spring break uh which is which is great news for me um i just so i've i've never in all my in all my years of being like a shakespeare person uh i've never taught shakespeare before and okay um i i just i just taught shakespeare for the first time hey really, really so um, in the humanities program that I'm teaching this year, uh, we teach Julius Caesar uh, to high school freshmen, which, of course, like has a whole range of receptability in terms of their like engagement yeah. with it. Right. Sort of all over the map. Um, I've been actually really impressed with the way a lot of them have like dug into it. Awesome. Um, which has been really cool. But yeah, so it's been it's been a few weeks of like doing a crash course in Shakespeare with kids. And I've gotten to to expose them to my like authorship question uh, ideology a little bit and like make some Oxfordians out of them because I'm, I'm a I'm a card carrying Oxfordian. Um, <laughs> so I've gotten to, uh, you know, present the theory that Edward de Vere was the true Shakespeare, which is which is what I think. Uh, and that's been really fun. And like it just it, it's it's been cool to sort of, um, you know, just sort of give them a, a more broad sort of picture of of the the era and uh theories about the playwright and what the plays mean and um and and all this sort of thing so i also like in the midst of that i've been sort of back i went back and read one of my favorite oxfordian books uh called shakespeare by another name uh, by mark anderson i think it's his last name 
which is really, really great. But then I also like I've just started reading and I think it's really wonderful. And I would like to recommend to anybody um, a book called Stalking Shakespeare uh, by Lee Durkee, which I actually hadn't heard about before and just sort of okay. ran across it on Twitter. Um, and this is really moving and like funny <laughs> and uh, informative, entertaining book about this guy who gets divorced from his wife and he's sort of like he's he's this guy from Mississippi and he ends up living in Vermont and he's like obsessed with Shakespeare his whole life and he and he sort of after his divorce gets on this this kick of like trying to find if there is an authentic Shakespeare portrait of Will Shakespeare or Will Shakespeare um painted during his life which is a uh, a very kind of like open question. Um, there okay. have been a lot of contenders for that honor and pretty much all of them have been debunked. Um, and so there's no certain portrait of the, the Stratford man. And so he goes through like one by one and it's about him like bothering various uh, art museums <laughs> and historical societies and like the Royal Shakespeare Academy, like all these different people who just like keep receiving onslaughts of emails from him as he has this like obsession over like trying to track down if there was a contemporaneous portrait of Shakespeare. Um, and then eventually he kind of also turns to a doubter to the traditional authorship question but it's not really about that it is about sort of this really very strange history and he he uncovers a lot about sort of elizabethan history sort of in the process of of doing this like scavenger hunt slash exploration like at one point in the book he like ends up on a um uh on a like a fellowship program in japan that he forgot that he applied for because he was up <laughs> late like on <laughs> on like Ambient or Ritalin or something. I can't remember what, what the, what, he's, he's on some ADD medication. And so like he accidentally applies for this, this fellowship and then gets it and then like ends up moving to Japan and uh, didn't really expect to. And so it's very funny. It's like a combination of like a memoir of someone kind of going through a little bit of a personal crisis and then also becoming obsessed with this, like one, this one notion. And um, yeah, very good. So I'm glad it's a, a happy accident that I came across it, but it's called Stalking Shakespeare by Lee Durkee and uh, go go read it um it's good it's good and the audio but i'm 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 cheating and listen to the audiobook um but the audiobook is really really good too so i recently discovered libby audiobooks so yeah no that's awesome it's the best yeah (laughs) (laughs) download libby and uh and get a library card and um yeah get audiobooks from libby because it's 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 pretty rad so anyway um yeah so uh let's talk about our guest today yeah let's so she has been on my on the on the previous iteration of the show at some point as well um so we're going to be talking to amanda moore um amanda is a writer who who became well known for um infiltrating the far right for um a number of months back in ye old covid times um and now writes for various publications doing freelance etc she also has her own Substack uh, called The Turtle Diaries, uh, where she chronicles a lot of her work. But importantly, she just got back from the Texas border um, covering what uh, many thought to have been the beginning of the Second American Civil War, which is not what happened. (laughs) Right. But um, she is going to tell us a little bit about that story. There's a lot of interesting uh, Christian nationalism that uh, was on display uh, in 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 that story so um let's let's talk to amanda 
Well, welcome. Nice to have you. Um, so we've talked before. I know Kelly hasn't talked to you and is interested in uh, in learning more about how, how you found yourself, where you find yourself today. Um, but I, I especially wanted to talk to you because you just um, made your way back from what was what was uh, said to be the beginning of the Second American Civil War. Uh, didn't quite work out that way, but you you recently went down to Eagle Pass in Texas, where a trucker convoy was planning to do something for God. Um, not exactly entirely sure what that was, but um, yeah, what can you tell us about that situation and like why why'd you go? So I did not care about the trucker convoy. I just knew it would be yeah. the easiest way to. Um, get people to help me go. It's like I use subsex subsex uh, subscriptions to pay for it, and then I knew I would probably be able to sell articles about the convoy when I got back. Um, the convoy was interesting. Like something could have happened. It could have been anything, you know. And I think it's good to have people on the ground and kind of see um, how they're developing or failing or whatever they're doing. Um, yeah. But my real interest is actually like what is happening in Eagle Pass. Um, and what Abbott is doing to kind of force this conflict between the Texas National Guard and the federal government. Um, and that's been a very long time coming. Yeah. Um, and so that was my real interest. I thought maybe, you know, the convoy, maybe something would happen, maybe something wouldn't happen. Um, not a lot happened with him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's a good thing I wasn't banking on that. Um, but yeah. God crapped out. Yeah. 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 It was a very bizarre um the convoy was very bizarre. So is it, is there still like, what's, what's happening now? Like the, the, the people who were kind of gathered um, and in like the videos that you shared and that sort of thing, I get a sense of kind of what it was like. What, like, was that happening for quite a while before? Is there this like permanent sort of protest happening down there at this point? Or like, no. is it, was it just a sort of no, John. A, a flash the, the permanent yeah. protest is happening on a street corner in DC where people like my new stalker hang out like unemployed losers who need to get jobs okay because they are standing around begging for money on live streams they've been there uh 500 something days ever since yep. the first convoy was here and then people that had jobs and families that love them left and then the bottom dregs of the j6 yeah. movement uh just hung out on the corner and so patrick byrne of overstock.com Pays for yeah. a house for the top tier elite people in this little movement, like Ashley Babbitt's mom, Mickey. And they call it the Eagle's Nest because Hitler. Um, and so they were, like I said, the leftovers from the 2022 convoy. So they are like the ones who kind of started to push for this. So they are a large section of who was down there. So they were not in Eagle Pass. Most of these people, I don't think I'd ever been to Texas. And if they had been to Texas, they had not been to a border town. They had no idea what they were doing. Uh, so they left Virginia Beach and they drove down. They were just going to go to Eagle Pass. But it's like $300 a night to stay at the Motel 6. And I think that's really why they didn't go. So then they went to a ranch that's like 20 minutes away. But it's still on the border. It's just not at a point of entry. Like the ranch butts up against the river. So it's still, you know... Um, and they prayed in a field and they tried to lead chants for Ashley Babbitt. But the other people who were there were like, why are you talking about Ashley Babbitt? Because they did not realize that they were with the weirdest freaks 
of the 2022 trucker convoy who could not go home to their friends or jobs because they have neither. Yeah. So real bottom of the barrel stuff here. Real bottom of the barrel shit. Well, I was going to switch gears a little bit um, because, you know, this convoy is a part of, is the convoy called God's Army or is it the group that's called God's Army? extremely unclear to me extremely Mm -hmm. unclear okay all right so um and i it was one of those things where i was trying to figure out like how they fit into the larger like maga movement right and you were talking about like bottom of the barrel (laughs) still like january 6th conspiracy theory but i didn't know if there was other sort of pieces there that you would want our listeners to know about them and yeah. how they kind of fit into that constellation. So a lot of these people, the ones that are hanging out in DC, like it is Ashley Babbitt's mother. It is like Nicole Ruffett, whose husband is in prison for J6 after his kids turned him in, you know, just kind yeah. of people like that. But there's also different live streamers that are there. Um, one of them would be Oreo express. Um, and, and they, you know, they, they filmed the trucker convoy before, and so they made this drive too. It's, you know, it's a big, it's a big grift. So it's really like, if you're a grifter and this is passing by you, you might as well pop on in and get, you know, and, and the streamers don't have anything to do right now, right? There's no mask protest. There's no vaccine protest. Like, what are they going to do? You know, they got nothing better to do. Um, so... You know, they did manage. And so first, when they when they drove to Texas, they they first stopped in Dripping Springs, which is about 40 minutes outside of Austin. Uh, and they stayed the night there. And they had an event um, at Phil Waldron's brewery. He was like instrumental in helping plan um, January 6th. And uh, they had speakers come through. So Michael Yawn, who used to be like a respected war correspondent, it is now just an unhinged anti-Semitic lunatic. He was a speaker, you know, uh, Lara Logan, same kind of story. Um, she was a speaker. Uh, a few local Texas politicians spoke. Um, and it was very clear to me that the majority of the crowd was either not from Texas or not involved in Texas politics at all because they had no idea what was going on. Mm-hmm. So it really is just like a mishmash of okay. who could be there. But the actual people who could join the actual convoy, that is like the dregs. Can, can you talk more? I, like, I hadn't... Um, Michael Yawn is not someone who had crossed my radar. Um, Same. Until, until... Okay, good. <laughs> until you started talking about him. Um, what do we know about him? Who is he? And, like, yeah. Like, what, what's what's his deal? Because, I mean, it's... When, when you, in your piece, when you quote him, it's... I mean, it really is incoherent. Like, I, I, don't, I don't understand what the fuck he's talking about. It's like, <laughs> Jews pay for Muslims to... Like, what? I, I don't... So, like, what what do we know about him, and what is his sort of um, is he like a rising star, or is he just sort of a, a weirdo who showed up at the right time? No, I mean he was like a well respected war correspondent. So, like, he was like a journalist. Like, he was embedded, yeah. in, in, you know, I don't know which wars uh, it makes a difference to me. Um, and he, I think he was doing like independent stuff, and he started to kind of like go off his rocker. And like, people kind of reached out to me to tell me like, hey, he he killed a guy once at a bar uh, in New Jersey or maybe Maryland. I don't know, Ocean City, one of the two. Okay. Um, so that's that's cool. Um, it was self defense. True, or is that just something someone told you? No, like, no, it's true. Thing? He said it was okay. self defense. There was no investigation. Have a nice day. Um, okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, so he, I did not know who he was when he gave a speech. I was leaving. Okay, I was leaving the premises. I was tired. I had flown from D.C. to San Antonio with a layover because there's no nonstop flights. Mm-hmm. Then I had gotten in a rental car, and I had driven 
you know, from San Antonio to Tropic Springs, so like, I guess like an hour and a half, two hours, I was done. You know, I was just cooked. I'd been there for hours and I was walking to the door and I just hear this guy yelling, Jewish. I'm like, oh, I just stopped and started recording him. And so the video that I put up where he's screaming about soccer players with Venezuelan body language being secret Hamas, it's pretty deranged. Um, so <laughs> his theory, his, his, the highest thing, the Hebrew uh, Immigrant Aid Society thing is the exact same thing that the Tree of Life synagogue shooter believed in. Yeah. Um, and it was like all over his social media posts and everything uh, before he went into the synagogue and killed people. So that is what, he, what Jan is pushing. But in addition to that, it's that like incoherent, like I don't know what Venezuelan body language means. Um, but I guess he thinks that, you know, Hamas is everywhere. And like part of what is not in that clip is he was screaming about Hezbollah is everywhere. Hamas is everywhere. They're just coming into the borders. The Jews, they're bringing them in. They're paying for them. And then they're going to shoot up synagogues. And the Jews are trying to kill the other Jews. Very convoluted. Um, and so I posted that video of him. And I guess he name searches. Because we found it real fast. By the yeah. time I got to San Antonio, um, you know, he had already seen it. Uh, got back to San Antonio, um, and he was telling me that you know he was not anti-Semitic, but actually I was, and I want Jews to die, and I'm dangerous, and that's why my nose is so big. So, <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, like I don't want to laugh, but like it's just so fucking ridiculous that it's hard to. I mean, you <laughs> yes. know, it's hard to like really have any other reaction to that. Yeah, um, yeah, and it kind of, I mean, it speaks to, I guess, something that. I think as a frustration for me and has been for Kelly for a long time is that like in order to even sort of speak this way, like you're relying on a kind of a, um, a complete ignorance of like religion and culture and everything else that like is, 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 you know, your audience is kind of rife with, um, you know, the, and the idea that you can kind of sell this notion of like, I don't, like, I don't, I don't even, like, again, it's so incoherent, but this, this idea that like somehow the Muslims and the Jews, but only the bad ones are like all on the same side. It just doesn't, it doesn't make sense, but I understand how you can just kind of sell it to a bunch of people who just don't know the difference and are just like looking for people to sort of, you know, target and, uh, and be afraid of like coming over the border. And, uh, you know, um, it's like, the one thing that I do kind of want to know from your perspective, though, is exactly that. It's like I, I keep hearing through the sort of mainstream media, like different sort of narratives about what the actual fear at the border is. Is there a kind of at least semi like concrete narrative in your um, like in the way that you sort of explored it or the people that you've talked to? Is there a sort of unified fear or is it just sort of like it, it's fentanyl one day and it's like people coming for your jobs the next day and it's, you know, Hamas the day after that, or is there a kind of a, a burgeoning narrative among the far right as to like what's happening and, and who's coming across and for like what reason? Fentanyl's huge. I mean, that's gotta yeah. be like, everybody says fentanyl. Um, Interesting. <clears throat> yeah. Why, why is that? And, and this is my ignorance showing here. Like what, why is that like the buzzword or the concern there? Is there... I don't know where it originated from. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No okay. It's, I mean, it's mainstream. Like if you watch Fox News, it's what you are getting. Yeah. If you watch, you know, Nick Fuentes, yeah. it's what you're getting. It doesn't really matter what you're watching. Interesting. Um, that is there. And then like the footage, like 
of people coming, like when there's like the the huge days where there are a lot of people that cross, like that kind of stuff, and it's portrayed yeah. as still like this is happening every day, and it's not like those are like notable days. Um, <clears throat> yeah, right. Yeah, so right. there's that, and then it's like violence um, committed by migrants is a concern, and so is like uh, resources. So. Uh, if they're getting benefits or whatever, like stuff that they're not even eligible for, you know, right. Um, those are their, their biggest concerns. And then like the Hamas thing and like these Hamas, like camps, they say are all over the country and also Mexico. I mean, some really weird shit going on there in their minds. Um, yeah. That it kind of comes in and goes like, I hear influencers say that, but I don't really ever hear like man on the street say that, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Yeah, but fentanyl, I, I think fentanyl is probably the one thing that everybody says. It, yeah, it, it's sort of like, from from the vibe that I get, and like sort of watching the, the sort of border fear, you know, sort of hysterias that arise, like when when it was before the 2000 election, it was like ISIS was embedded with the with the refugees, and now it's Hamas that's embedded with the refugees. So it's sort of like the, you know, the bad guy du jour of the like paranoid right is kind of embedded with the yeah. refugees on the border. Um, but the fentanyl thing, like I do, I do kind of get because there is there is an issue. There. I mean, it's not it's not like the fentanyl thing is completely like devoid of any kind of reasonable. Um, element to it right we do have this like opioid crisis in this country and and fentanyl like is deadly and and has like killed people um so it's just sort of like i don't know i like how do you how do you separate out the the real actual problem and there is a problem at the border right like sure. for sure there's a problem at the border like separating that out from these far-right narratives i like i, I don't i have no idea how you would even start, you know? It seems like Joe Biden doesn't either. I mean, I mean, most, well, most fentanyl <laughs> is, is carried by U.S. citizens, right? It's not brought over by yeah. immigrants. Um, and so we were at the bar. There's like the one bar in downtown Eagle Pass. And we were there Saturday night after the, the rally. And like a guy was there and he was from Uvalde. And he was like, you know, my daughter died of a fentanyl overdose. And that's why I'm here. And it's just like, yeah. you know, like, what do you... But, you know, we'll like look at where fentanyl overdoses happen, like, you know, and people just want someone to blame. And so, yeah, I mean, I agree that it is a logical thing for people to latch on to. It's just yeah. wrong. <laughs> um, right, right. Yeah. And it's it's really hard because a lot of a lot of what you have to do. I mean, so like you need reciprocity, like with Mexico, you need to have a relationship there because when we try to just say this is what we're going to do. Mexico could be like, well, screw you. Like at some point last summer, Texas was like, we're just going to return migrants to Mexico. So Title 42 expired, mm -hmm. I think in March or May, I can't remember, of last year. Title 42 was a COVID uh, protocol. It was an agreement that allowed us to return people to Mexico, regardless of their country of origin. If Mexico was the last place they had been before they came here. We could send them back. Can't usually do that. It's just not how it works. I think Europe has something where you can, but that is not how it works in North America. So it expired and Texas was like, well, screw you. We're going to keep doing it. We're going to return people and we're going to make it so any law enforcement officer can. It doesn't have to be, you know, border patrol. Like obviously because border patrol is not going to do it. It's a federal issue. They're like, we're going to do it. Law enforcement officers, state troopers can do it, you know, whoever. And Mexico was like, we reject this. 
because you have to have, I mean, like, what are you going to do? Like just dump people like in the desert. You can't, can't do that. It just, in practicality, it doesn't work out. Um, and so, you know, for a while, um, like crossing slowed down at Eagle Pass when it looked like Biden's border thing might happen. And as soon as Mexico realized, you know, there's no more funding for that, you know, it's a great expense for them to police their end of the border. It's not their problem at the end of the day. And if we you know we're not going to be kind of hand in hand on it, what are they going to do? They're not going to do anything. Um, so it's, it's very, very complicated. As long as you have the Republican Party stonewalling everything. I mean, I don't think there's anything that we can do. It kind of is just a dead end. They're going to listen to their geodes. Uh, <laughs> um, so can we talk about some, some other things about sort of you, you um, and sort of how you got to, to where you are? I, I've, we've talked in the past before, but one thing I've never actually talked to you about, I don't think, is like your, um, your own kind of religious upbringing and um, sort of how that informs your understanding of a lot of these things. Um, you recently posted on Twitter some of the textbooks <laughs> that you used um, growing up, which was like amusing and a little bit horrifying <laughs> at the same time. Um, so you grew up like not an uncommon story. Like you're a you're a sort of evangelical, right? You grew up in a sort of fundamentalist evangelical, but in a in a I think from what I know of your story, a little bit of an unorthodox kind of way. Yes. Um, so like, what wh- wh- how would you kind of describe your your religious story and um, like where that sort of fits into your into your life and like work today? Yeah. So my dad uh, is like doesn't take insulin for his diabetes anymore because he just prays right so like that's my dad my mom is an atheist or an agnostic depending on the day um and so that was what my upbringing was like uh you know i had yeah i was an accident and then they got married and uh (laughs) maybe they weren't so compatible um so you know my mom uh kind of made things a little bit more normal i guess you could say then my dad also like he joined a cult when he was 18 and he got out of it um but I think you kind of lacked a full commitment to being like the true, like 100% dedicated, like evangelical type. So, you know, I got to do like a lot of normal stuff. Like I could watch movies as long as it was violence and not like anything sexual. Um, oh, so if it was violent, but not. Okay, oh, yeah. Gotcha. Violence. I know. I've heard that story before from. from yeah. yeah. Well, that's the NPR rules, right? Like NPR will let you like do all kinds of violence on their um, podcast and everything. But like sex is where they get like get weird. Yeah. So funny yeah. it, right. <laughs> where it's like, you know, it's very much the way it works. So yeah. anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So side. just, but, just yeah. like that. Um, and then, you know, I, I, I was not, I did not love going to Baptist school um, for many reasons. Neither did my, my sister. So I got to leave and then I was in public school and that kind of um, also was a way to start to distance myself um, from religion, Um, which I think probably maybe over the course of until I was like 22, 23, I kind of was like, oh, you know, like maybe I'm agnostic or whatever. And I was like, I don't care or think about this at all, actually. So (laughs) I think I'm just an atheist. but yeah, that has, you know, kind of shaped how I see all these conspiracy theories, right? Because my dad, like, obviously was very conservative, is very conservative. Um, so a lot of the stuff that I would hear was just stuff, you know, that I heard growing up, um, yeah. which is why I think I've taken such an interest in, in the far right. I mean, one of the interesting pieces to me about your story is that you embedded with the far right 
at a certain point. And I was curious as to how you decided to do that. And, and John said he's heard this story before, but I have not heard this story. So if you yeah. don't mind telling it, if you mind telling it, then we won't I do could, it. I, you can ask me as well as asleep and I can answer it at this point. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Um, so I worked in marketing like for a long, long time. Like if you've ever been to like a trade show or a car show or something, people go around with the products like that was me. Um, and then I started a company staffing for that. And so I started that company because I broke my leg and, you know, you can't work. And I was an independent contractor. So I just had to blow through my savings while my leg was broken. Um, and then started the company because I obviously, what, what was I going to do? I was going to hire me with a broken leg. Um, and so the point of this is that my savings were already pretty much blown because I just had a life crisis. Well, that was February of 2019. So fast forward a year. I refunded like $100,000 in two days, I think, at the beginning of the pandemic. I mean, my first my first uh, financial loss was for CES, which is in January. So January, the first week of January 2020, mm -hmm. uh, I was like, I had clients from Wuhan that obviously could not go to CES. Um, and so I was uh, broke. I couldn't pay rent, um, couldn't do anything. You know, I got aid, but I was in this weird position where I made $5 over the minimum to get traditional like uh, unemployment because um, I like had a side thing that I occasionally did that paid W-2. So I got $105 a week for unemployment. And then I got the pandemic stuff, but like I've been making more than $600 a week. So and my rent was $1,500. So not very helpful. <laughs> um, right. I like used to joke, like, I got in a basement apartment and I'd always be like, you know, if my ceiling was like a legal height ceiling, I would fucking hang myself, but my feet would drag if I tried to do that now. So there's no point. Um, and the, so I, I've been to so many rallies. Like Laura Loomer came to speak in 2019, went to that. Uh, QAnon, um, I met the QAnon Anonymous guys at a QAnon rally in September of 2019. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I kind of like I'd always wanted to write. Um, and so when the Stop the Steal rally started happening, I was like, well, I'll just go to them. I go, the first one, I can walk to it. I'll record it. And maybe I can sell audio from it or something or write about it. Maybe someone will pay me a couple hundred bucks. And then for the second rally, someone did pay me to go um, and record audio for them. And so then I went to the third rally thinking, same thing. You know, I'll write about my experience. Like, obviously, this has to be the last one because the vote's about to be certified. And then that was January 6th. Um, so I was just like, I don't, I still don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, and so I went to CPAC. I bought like a student ticket. I had someone make me in Photoshop a student ID, which I didn't, didn't even need. Like they didn't even ask for it. They just like let me. And I used like the last of my, I think, uh, Hilton points and JetBlue miles to like stay, like by the convention center. I went to that. Um, and while I was there, somebody uh, recruited me um, into his like Nazi group and I'm in. Wow. I guess this is it. This is what we're doing. I came back and maybe a week later, he was like, I need you to meet with our connection at the Hungarian embassy um, to discuss recruiting Matt Gates for our caucus. And I was like, okay. So, and I just, it just kept going. So it wasn't something I necessarily set out to do on the scale that I did it. Okay. Um, you know, I knew that journalists, some would not be allowed to go to those rallies, even though they were outside. And many would not want to. Um, 
And so I kind of thought I would just have like a little niche market. And I thought, I kind of thought that's how it would be for CPAC too, was really, I would just go do the fly on the wall thing. I was like, who's there? Like David Weigel. I think he's like the only journalist here, you know, yeah. him and Laura Loomer in the press room together. <laughs> uh, right. So, you know, it was like, I'll certainly be able to sell this. And then once, you know, the Nazi stuff happened, it was just, I was like, oh, this is, you know, maybe bigger than I kind of thought it was going to be in the yeah. beginning. How long were you embedded? So the first event was the Stop the Steel rally in November 2020, right after Trump lost. And then the last mm-hmm. event, um, they doxed me like lightly in September, at the very end of September 2021. And I think I was completely out within three weeks. So mid-October 2021. Wow. It's yeah. a long time. Yeah. I um. I can't remember. Like, I think the first time I heard about you was sometime within the few months of that. But, but one of the, I think earlier things that you wrote, um, that I also want to think, like, I want to ask you sort of where you, if you still sort of think the same way, um, was talking about the QAnon movement, sort of broadly speaking, right. And like, and evangelical movement and how to you, like these things just connect very logically, like that there's yeah. right that there's yeah. a like there was almost a sort of sense of like i've seen this before <laughs> like this is not this is not new to me um so QAnon obviously is like more of kind of a catch-all term and buzzword than it used to be um as it sort of settled into just like just what the right-wing talking points are um but do you do you still think that that's kind of a a useful way of understanding that that line of thinking and like or or has it has it changed and evolved to the point where it's sort of diverged now no i think it is and that's i mean that's why you see all these churches all these pastors um you know some of them being like how did this happen (laughs) and you know others you know like knowing how it happened um or even leading into it um i definitely think it is there is this uh loss of I don't want to say like loss of shame but like loss of maybe like social self-preservation where when you're evangelical and like you're supposed to just tell everybody about Jesus all of the time no matter what like these people can't turn off these like the dead like the real QAnon ones not people who like oh like say the kids you know whatever but the ones who like actually really believe this stuff they cannot turn it off and, and because to them it is life or death the same way it's you know eternal damnation or not um the intonation, the like tone of voice people use, the way they say things. I mean, it is, it's like a one for one match. It, it is, it is shocking to me (laughs) that, um, I guess, I mean, I think people probably talk about it more now, but like I, how I'm, I'm always surprised that that was not a more common comparison made within like media when they wrote about QAnon. Because um, I think there's a lot of evangelical people yeah. in this country. So surely some of these journalists. <laughs> well, yes, but unfortunately, many journalists are ill-equipped to understand any of that because, you know, religious studies is not something that unfortunately produces like a huge slew of journalists as much as we would um, we would rather you know, that were the case. No, I think there's a bigger crisis. And I like the reason why I'm glad you say things like this and like, you know, use sort of your platform to draw attention to that to that comparison is that, I you know, I do think that there is an urgency for people to understand um, sort of not just evangelicalism as a phenomenon, but as a, as a mindset, and as a way of being and like and, and having better insight into the fact that like QAnon is not that far removed 
in that kind of behavior. Because, you know, the, the reality is, is that like end times fundamentalism is really not different. It is, it is a, it is a conspiracy theory. It's a conspiracy theory that like God has got this secret plan and that, you know, it's all going to be okay one day and, and you have the secret information of how that happens, right? Like it's the same basic template. Um, but I do also think it's important to show how, as, as you have, like show how the people who embrace it, right, are, are of a very similar kind of persuasion um, and, and kind of ilk. So, yeah, I think yeah. that's... And there's a lot of like the redemption story stuff too, you know, like yeah. evangelicals love redemption story. Yep. And so to kill it on people, yep. you know, but and it's like, you know, I, I, whatever, you know. Some people's redemption stories are real and some are fake, but, <laughs> you know, look yeah. at how many, oh, man, maybe, yeah, I used to be a pedophile, but now I'm saving the kids. It's like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Don't like that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, you're right. I, I do think there are those, like, I hadn't really thought about that aspect of it. But, of course, like, there's a lot of the people who were like, I had nothing in my life. And then I discovered the truth. I was woken up by QAnon. And now it's, like, my mission. And it's very yeah. similar to, like, finding Jesus is, you know, finding yeah finding Q and finding John F. Kennedy Jr. Uh, <laughs> or, or whatever, whoever else is uh, is hiding behind the curtain there. So, Well, I'm sort of curious about this because I'm not, I'm not as hip to QAnon as maybe you two are about this. So if we were going to give like the like two minute primer, right, for people that aren't as familiar with QAnon, so what would that entail right like what are just the high points maybe that folks would need to know about to just kind of be aware of when we're talking about QAnon I had to do this for my surgeon in summer 2020 when I had nice. the 2021 I had <laughs> did you really <laughs> yeah she I broke my arm I broke my arm in Texas and I flew back to DC with a broken arm and it desperately was like clearly needed surgery it was like broke broke um mm. and my surgeon is like great news I can get you on Monday and I was like I can't do that and she's like, why not? I was like, well, I have to go to Florida for work on Tuesday. She's like, what are you talking about? I was like, are you familiar <laughs> with the idea that Hillary Clinton, Tom Hanks, and all other elected Democrats are um, e- eating babies and sexually assaulting them? And only Donald Trump can stop that. And she was like, no. She's like, no, <laughs> no <I'm> not. <laughs> You will be. <laughs> yeah, so the whole idea, like, with QAnon is that, um, you know, everybody's a secret pedophile. Everybody that doesn't share your political beliefs is a secret pedophile. They are torturing children, and they are extracting adrenochrome uh, from their blood. Um, so they have to kill them in very tragic and dramatic ways to kind of get their heart rate up uh, to produce more adrenochrome. And they're consuming that so that they can stay young forever. Also, there are mole children. They live beneath the Getty in Los Angeles. Um and Donald Trump has been um, possibly appointed by God uh, to come in and stop them. Okay, so, so this is wilder than I thought it was going to be. Like, I thought it was going to be wild, but I was not entirely prepared for um, consuming children as part of this. Uh, yeah. So yeah. I didn't know that that's where it was going. <laughs> I knew parts of it, but I did not realize nor was I prepared for that. So um. yeah, they'll ease you in, you know, it starts with like sex trafficking. And then it's like, hey, don't you think that maybe these Democrats are kind of facilitating it? Uh, and then, you know, once they kind of got you in, if you're willing to go all the way, you, you get to 
Yeah. Go to the next level. Wow. Yeah, but like as we as we <laughs> talked about with Mike Rothschild, um, Lowly's many months ago, you know, yeah. it is it is just a modernized version of of um, the blood libel. It's like it's the same thing. Yeah. It just is it just is like got cool, you know, modern uh, modern flares to it, and some of the overtly anti-Semitic religious stuff is removed and replaced by democrats which are you know sort of the yeah. the new like what what jews were to medieval christians like democrats are to american republicans uh or at least you know the american american far right and tom so, hanks right Who, yeah, yeah yeah well the tom hanks thing is a bit yeah. wild I, I still don't quite understand that aside from the fact that he showed up like on a fake on a fake epstein manifest is that where it started was the fake epstein i manifesto? think so and they hate they hate his son manifest. too like oh, well who doesn't they hate they hate Chet. Yeah. They're always like Chet. mad at yeah. him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, fair. Like I can agree with QAnon on the anti Chet Hanks. I will I will I will die on the hill of Colin, but I will uh oh. I, will, I will give you I will give you Chet. Um so you know, because everything's going swimmingly and uh you're having such a good time, you decided to go to CPAC. Okay, listen, let's not sound like my stalker. <laughs> I put it in for my media credentials six weeks okay. ago. They don't give them out until the week before. I did not just decide to go, Brian. Um yeah. Do you do you wanna do you wanna talk about what's going on with this Brian guy? Because that's He's insane. Yeah, where, where, is he is he the same guy who confronted you in Texas, or is he just no. guy on the internet who's so? After to... I posted this video of Michael Yon being extremely anti-Semitic, yeah. Michael Yon lost his mind and kept telling his hundreds of thousands of followers to harass me. And then he had somebody follow me around with a video camera the next day, film a video of me at the rally, asking yeah. me why I thought Michael Yon was anti-Semitic. I didn't answer him; I just ignored him. So post the video. I think it was great content. It was honestly really good for me. I feel like I should probably cut the guy a check. Two thumbs up. Um, but this lunatic, Brian, sees it and thinks, oh, also the guy who filmed the video of me is an idiot. So he didn't update his plates. So then they were like, we're going to impound your car because your plates expired, like, whenever. Mm -hmm. And so he was like, this is discrimination. He's like, took a photo of the cops who are obviously not white because we are stone's throw from the border and he said wonder what this is about like obviously the implication was because they're brown um and he's like i'm i'm too close you know i'm fine i'm finding out too much stuff and it's like no you're not you're just delusional so okay but my my new stalker sees the video of me sees that i'm from dc sees that a woman who has a two-year restraining order against him um and then two other women that he's been stalking in dc he sees that we are all like mutuals on twitter assumes that they sent me there to stalk him and then he was also like you also called the police and reported this guy's tags and it's like well the police were just standing there like they have eyes you know um so he starts posting about taking care of me if he ever sees me again. I have my Second Amendment rights, so stop embarrassing yourself, showing up to stuff, which he doesn't because he's a restraining order against him, so he does not have the right to possess firearms. Um, he lives here. He lives in D.C. Very cool. Um, he planned a school shooting. Okay, so first, let me back up. He did a burglary in an apartment building and got convicted of it. It was like December 2018. Okay. So fast forward, he's wearing an ankle monitor. January 6th, 2021, when he storms the Capitol. So he gets arrested immediately. It's, okay. it's, you know. Yeah. 
they knew he was there. Yeah. Um, he goes to jail for five months and they're like in the FBI like thing. They're like, this guy has been Googling how to do a mass shooting, like unhinged. Uh, he goes to jail for five months. He gets out. Um, and he goes into Twitter space and is like, I'm going to shoot up my school and starts planning the school shooting. So then they take away all of his social media. He has a government issued phone. He can't do anything without touching his probation officer. Put an ankle monitor back on him. That all ends in December of last year, 2023. So then he starts coming back out on social media, starts stalking, starts following. He, like, one girl had to move twice because he kept following her home. Um, One's, like, a low-level elected official in D.C., and he still won't leave her alone. Um, And so he gets the two-year restraining order put against him immediately. He delayed going to Eagle Pass by a day. He had to go down separate because of his court date for the restraining order violates the violates it before he even leaves. He tears it up in front of the judge um, and then violates it and then flies to Texas and then come back and violates it again. So now he's at court tomorrow, Tuesday uh, okay. for it well, because he can't stop stalking. Yeah. He can't stop uh, being crazy. And so I obviously go to CPAC. I went to CPAC last year and once he thought I was going, he bought a ticket for CPAC. And he's like, oh, I'd always plan to go. And I'm like, well, then why'd you buy a ticket the day you found out I was going? Yeah. Very interesting stuff. So that's what's happening here. Um, so when I said bottom of the barrel J6ers, like I really meant. <laughs> like there is not much. Like most yeah. J6ers like did not plan school shootings. It's also like, super weird. So like you can see on Twitter, he'll be like, Remember me? We shared a jail cell. Remember me? <laughs> it's just like nobody wants to remember you. They wouldn't go on with their lives. Like, <laughs> oh my god! And the top of that barrel isn't especially uh, anything to write home about either. So, no, um, no. oh man. Um, so, is there a chance he might be back in jail before he gets to CPAC, or is that is that? So it is up to 180 days served per violation. So, oh, then I've been having these Twitter spaces and he just comes into them. He gets yeah. really riled up with me on Twitter. Yeah. And I just make a space. I just sit there and he just comes in and he starts saying stuff like, I only have it because there's a female judge and women can't control their emotions. And it's not stalking if I just go to where that person is and I, it's in the public. I'm not at their house. And in fact, you're stalking me you're all stalking me. You're harassing me. You're stalking me. Um, he's like threatening people in the spaces. He's like talking about, sounds like possibly vigilante, like terror attack at the border. Yeah. Um, so I just visited all the FBI and also the people uh, who are being stalked by him also have, you know, all the recordings as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a chance, but I mean, like, I don't know. It's like crazy that he played a school shooting. Yeah. And they were like, hey, let's take away your cell phone. Yeah. So who could say? Yeah. Who could yeah. say? Yeah. <laughs> They'll be in jail or not. <laughs> wow. Um, boy, the uh, the benefits of being a white guy. Uh, I'll tell <laughs> yeah. You. Yeah. That's the, he doesn't stalk me at all. Because like, even when the spaces, you know, Ryan Raley, who like wrote the Sedition Hunter book. Yeah. I asked him. I was like, how come you don't stalk Ryan Riley? I was like, you don't even talk to him. And he's like, oh, he blocked me. I'm like, no, you, no, you didn't. You blocked him. I know this. <laughs> like, what? And it's like, it's because he's a man. Like, yeah, you're not interested in. He likes women 10 to 15 years older than him. That's who he starts stalking. It's, it's very, um, very fun. Very fun behavior. 
Kelly, you got anything you want to? No, I don't think so. Except to say that I really hate that you're going through all this, and I'm glad that you could join us. We appreciate your your time, especially considering what you're dealing with yeah, right now. That's fair. So. That's fair me. <laughs> yeah. It's mm-hmm. nice to talk about the Tucker thing. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Because I feel yeah. like I went, and then I just dealt with Brian for, like, weeks afterwards. I was like, oh, what yeah. about the tracks? Yeah. <laughs> well, and then, yeah. like, Fort Sumter didn't happen, and it's sort of like, you know, the, the media. Well, some of the, the, some of the live streamers did go to Arizona and hunt migrants on YouTube uh, for uh, Super Chats. Oh, and then uh, YouTube shut down their channel. Channels. It was three of them. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah, so like they are like an actual threat. Like they're like actually deranged. And like in 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 Eagle Pass, like the thing I really care about is that um Abbott has decided they're going to actually build like basically a camp for all these National Guardsmen that they're bringing in. Instead of instead of easing things, they're going to just bring in more people and build up a whole new town for them. Um also Eagle Pass is like everybody told me to stay on the Mexican side. They're like it's nicer and it's cheaper. But of course I couldn't because I needed to be, you know, um able to yeah. access but yeah no the town of eagle pass could probably use the money more than the uh <laughs> national guard but like, what do i know <laughs> wow. yeah yeah i like i i i want to i want to let you go but i do want to like ask this one more thing because i just yeah. i want to know your opinion of it which is that like you know there was a lot of like might be war, might be civil war too might not be might be nothing who knows what's going to happen you you've you've seen I mean, you write about January 6th in a way that, like, other people who weren't, like, embedded in it, um, like, don't, right? Um, do you think, because I, I keep sort of, I keep sort of ending up at, like, they're going to get all riled up and pretend they're going to start a fight, but they're never actually going to start a fight. Um, and everybody's like, January 6th is the beginning, it's going to get worse. And I, and, I, and I sort of, like, I want to be cautious, but at the same time, I'm like, is it? though like where are where are we going so do you i mean in your sort of opinion based on everything that you know and that you've seen and when you kind of see these these moments of like inflection points do you think that we're going to have something worse than january 6th like is is that are we headed towards like real big violent confrontations so i i've called eagle pass january 6th many times and i realized later people thought i meant in terms of violence so to what you're specifically asking I don't think so, no. Um, what Abbott is doing is specifically meant to undermine the federal government. It's to overthrow democracy. It is to be able to create an alliance of states that will act in defiance of the federal government. That will include vote certification. If you remember the Secretary of State coalition that was formed, where they were like, hey, uh, everybody run for Secretary of State, and then when it's your turn to certify the votes, be like, poof, no. Like, it's that. Um, this this state of emergency thing should have been nipped in the bud when Ducey in Arizona and, and Abbott started doing it in 2021. It's crazy that it's been allowed to go yeah. on. Um, you know, I mean, I guess now people know that out-of-state National Guardsmen are in Texas, but it's been that way. Um, and, and that is in direct opposition to the Biden administration. I mean, it is, it is meant to antagonize, um, and a lot of people in Texas on that kind of fringe far right, which, you know, the rhetoric creeps in, um, they have worked very hard to force this confrontation. It is what they want and they've wanted it for years. So 
you know, I don't think it's necessarily that we're going to have, like, what would happen? You know, I don't even understand really what would happen. Like, the convoy people, are they going to, like, rush the Border Patrol agents? There's also, like, a, a people are demoralized, right? Uh, you know, a lot of these National Guardsmen and the local cops, like, they're very unhappy with what's going on. You don't join the National Guard to go live at the fucking border, right? Like, um, Abbott, you know, he's saying, oh, it's it's bad. People are staying an hour away, in some cases, from, from Eagle Pass, uh, from from Shelby Park, from the actual like border where the concertina wire is, and I mean that's why they have to erect this little town. But if you look at the GAO reports from when we were building Trump's wall, or even before we were building Trump's wall, it was extremely common um, for the Army Corps of Engineers to stay in Mexico because unless you're in El Paso or something, a lot of these border towns they're much nicer on the Mexican side. Um, and that's why people cross like back and forth. Um, and so he's also, and he knows that, right. But like, why do people not from Texas know that they wouldn't, I mean, God, even like, if you're not from a border town in a border County, you probably don't know that. Um, and, and, but Abbott knows, and it's just, he's doing it. He's building it up even more because he just wants to challenge them to cut that wire again. And, and you're not cutting the wire I don't want to say it's like giving a precedent because I don't think it's like necessarily giving a legal precedent, but it is certainly making them feel more confident in what they're doing and more states will join. I mean, you know, in, in states that have joined, will join in more enthusiastic ways, I would guess. Yeah. Yeah. So your, your conclusion kind of is that we should be less concerned with um like a like a eruption of violence and more concerned with the way that these kinds of events january 6 and like eagle pass are being used to galvanize and kind of like excite the sort of political and religious zeal of people um to to further sort of push the the far-right agenda is that a fair yeah a fair assessment yeah yeah cool Uh (laughs) (laughs) i mean i will say though like at the end of the day a lot of them are probably going to die off from some type of disease because they're carrying around these bathtubs okay it's like with the one you put it's like a planter maybe you put slop in it for pigs to eat and they're just all loaded up with water and then 40 people 50 people getting baptized in a row You've been outside, it's 90 degrees, 80 degrees, you haven't showered in days, you've been sleeping in your car, okay? And you have to get baptized at every event because of reasons. So many are going to have sepsis, I feel like, <laughs> you know, there's going to be get, a lot. Wait, well, wait, hold on. You only get baptized once. What do you, Whoa, wait. okay. What do you hate, America and also Jesus? <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. These, these people what? are crazy. So they're like one of the organizers gets in a fight with these street preachers across the street. Like he literally has a physical fight. They're, they're like bad guys, though. They're like the kind of street preachers where they're like um, too extreme to even be let into this event. And so one of the organizers like goes over. <laughs> First, this guy tells a journalist, goes up to this journalist, is like, you got bad vibes. I don't know if we should let you be in here. So, like, very stable human is what I'm trying to yep, tell you. Yep, yep. Uh, goes across the street, gets in a fist fight with some guys because I don't know why, like, some reasons. And then comes back over and gets baptized again, even though he's, like, an organizer and has previously gotten baptized out of it. He's organized. <laughs> it's crazy. It, like, it makes no sense. So, yeah, they keep doing that. There are going to be many of them will have sepsis or something. And just um, that'll be that. <sighs> 
how the fuck are we losing to these I don't people? Even, <laughs> I don't like. I don't even know what to do. Really, like I am flabbergasted. Actually, yeah, um, it's really weird. It's a it's it's a wild world that you that you live in, uh, <laughs> or that you sort of show us that we live in. I should I, I should say. Um, you don't work for the deep state. Uh, you don't you don't you don't have New York Times uh, backing. Um, how so? Like you know. I'm I'm always rooting for you. How how can people support you um in in all all the myriad ways? Like what's the best way to actually support what you are doing and like keep you keep you afloat because I think, you know, your work is really important. So, I have a Substack, turtlediaries.net. You can subscribe to that and then I'm also on all social media as no turtle soup 17. Um and that's that's where you can find me in my work. All right. Well, listen, uh, let's Nate, let, let's talk again in a year when everything's great and everything's fine and Donald Trump's in prison, MAGA is over, and uh, Joe Biden has somehow gotten like 20 years younger and like 30 <laughs> years liberal liberaler and uh, stop condoning genocide and like everything's going to be great. It's going to be great. It's going to be good. It's going to be a fun time um, next February, but um, be safe, uh, you know. Have a good time at CPAC and uh, <laughs> looking forward to, to to seeing all you got to say about it uh, on, on, on the Twitter. Sounds good. Thanks. Thanks, Amanda. Thanks.